Pack them fast. Welcome to another edition of Scarlet Jimmy's. We have not talked since the Super Bowl, and we don't have to talk about the Super Bowl. I am joined today by Cam. Cam, what's going on, man? Tell 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 the people who you are, and yeah, let's just go from there. It's uh, it's pretty simple. Thanks for having me. This is my first official uh, SB Nation podcast appearance since I've joined the team. I'm very excited to be on this team. Very excited to be a part of this. Uh, not only just because of the communities that we've got involved here, but uh, also you. I'm not gonna lie. Out in California two weeks ago with you. Uh, and our boy Michael Peterson, I, this was it was an experience unlike anything else. I thought it was a lot of fun. We clicked. It's like we knew each other for a long time. I'm headed over from PFF, from Pro Football Focus, three and a half years at PFF, running the PFF social media channels uh, and as the lead college football analyst the past three and a half years over there at PFF. So got a pretty good working knowledge of uh, college football, uh, over a decade of writing experience. Uh, in college athletics as well, so pretty well versed, but definitely football analytics is kind of where where my heart is. Great man, Cam. Where can where can people follow your work on the Twitter? On the Twitter sphere, it is very simple at Cam Meller, M E L L O R. Very simple. All right, so we are going to talk about forty um, the Forty Niners, obviously, and wide receivers in the draft so we have the combine coming up and i believe they are running either thursday or friday do you know what day it is i believe it's thursday i believe quarterbacks tight ends and receivers all do their on on field testing on thursday cool so we will see you know all these guys run jump just kind of get an idea for them so we are going to try and educate you guys on you know some of the the players that the 49ers are going to be familiar with and for all, we've, we've been talking about the 49ers and ad nauseum and just the wide receiver position. And the reason that many feel that the 49ers are going to be interested in a wide receiver is because they currently have one wide out who is under contract that they can 100% count on in 2020. And that is Debo Samuel. You guys are out of your mind if you think the 49ers are not going to go hard for a wide out in free agency, the draft, or whatever it may be, just because the future matters. And we saw, like, the Ravens were really good at this. You know, Ozzy, Ozzy would always draft a guy a year ahead before the contracts are up. And, you know, hopefully they, the 49ers and John Lynch kind of trend in that direction. So, Cam, without further ado, we're going to talk about let's, – let's start out with um, – let's just go down the list of, you know, what people would have as the normal top five. And let's talk about the player. Let's talk about one thing you like and one thing you don't like. So – you know, wide receiver one is going to be that's going to be different for everybody. But we'll, for in this scenario, we'll talk about Jerry Judy. One, is he as good as people think? I think so. I think he is. I think he runs a full route tree. I think he's got smooth breaks in and out of every sort of cut he can make. I think he's, you know, he's a true number one. No, I agree. And I think that, you know, for what like he's he's used often in the slot and that's listed as a knock on him. It should not be a knock at all. Like slot receivers are crazy important, and it's not like he can't win outside. We've seen him win outside early and often. What is one thing? Because we've seen people to worry about his size, and that's another thing. When you talk about the combine, I think Judy was six one five eight and one ninety two, and I saw people complain about his size. And the next thing, there was a I forgot who it was, but there was a receiver that was six one three four. 
six one and three fourths and weighed one ninety six, and people were like clapping for his size. Like, what are we doing here, man? We're arguing over eighths of an inch, and it's it's ridiculous. It's it's amazing how much people clamor for football content. And you can tell clearly that people are just itching for any sort of content for their favorite NFL team because we're arguing over an eighth of an inch for Christ's sake. I mean, this is crazy stuff. So, so stupid. But that is what happens when we talk combine. So, it, I mean, it is enjoyable. I'm not going to lie just to hear people argue about the the weirdest thing. So speaking of that, um, strength, I've seen knocks on for Judy. What, what do you think is Judy's biggest issue? And what will hold him back at the next level? Is better way I think there's been some silly drops. I think some, you know, lack of concentration drops where, you know, he he works so much on the separation and he's he's got that in his bag that I think that there's, you know, some concentration drops, whether it's it, it's in a game. I didn't actually see drops that matter. That's the thing. So I think it's concentration. I think it's when he's been up two or three touchdowns, which no fault to him to be up and blowing people out that they did. You know, in his time when Tua was healthy as his quarterback, I think there were some moments, you know, up three touchdowns and he's open and he just drops the ball. So I think certain little things like that, those drops that I think he can he can fix. But I think that has been probably his only issue. Do you think we put too much emphasis on drops? I think it's the name of the game for a wide receiver. So I think that it's it's probably an adequately placed emphasis on drops. I mean, you got to be able to catch it. Let's face it at this point. It's the, the third most important aspect of football outside of. Uh, a great quarterback and then coverage you got to have these guys that can you know make the quarterback look good at some points no that's true and so I do think that you know we need to talk about it I think it's important to frame the type of drop and I liked how you talked about you know they're up big he's probably not locked in like he would be in a national championship situation or like a playoff situation so those focus or concentration drops whatever you want to call them those are those are the drops that don't bother me I really don't care about those at all it's the drops where you see like a double catch or you see him fighting the ball as it's coming into his body though that's when you can tell a guy probably doesn't have great hands but I don't I don't come away with that issue when I watch Judy I do think that you know when a guy does get his hands on him, that there is certainly a strength issue. And you can see that when he goes to like stock block or when he's getting impressed and like a defensive back gets his hands on him at first, when there, those are some issues. But that's not going to happen a lot. And I don't think that's going to happen a lot in the NFL. It didn't happen a lot in college because when we're, we're moving on to what will make Judy good or what will make him, you know, a possible star in the NFL, it's his feet. Like his feet are unreal. And I've seen this comp thrown around a couple of times by a few players, but he really does play like Chad Johnson, like Chad Ochocinco, where he is so quick and he's so quick with his feet and he doesn't really he doesn't slow down out of his breaks and he doesn't lose speed. It's just it's really fun to watch. So I think that is what is going to make Judy a guy that can catch like 90 balls in his sleep. What, what's your favorite part about Judy? The I, think, player? I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's the smoothness. It's the way that his feet move. There's no wasted steps. Not one step is wasted on any route. And I think that's the most important aspect is, you know, transferring, transferring this, this skill set at the college level. You know, a lot of it were, were easy routes, were easy reads to get them open, but it just they looked easy. Some of it is it's pretty advanced in that Alabama offense that he ran. I would say of those four guys at Alabama, he was the worst downfield blocker, but that's not really a knock on him because Ruggs, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle were amazing downfield blockers, uh, typically blocking for Judy after the catch as well. So I, I think that that's where I think the, his, his best asset, his best attribute is this route running. There's no wasted steps, the smoothness, though. It's just, it's truly remarkable. And honestly, it's him or CeeDee Lamb. And I know we'll get to CeeDee probably next, 
uh, depending on your your viewpoint on him here. But those two, I don't think I've seen uh, you know a one A and a one B if you want to list them that way in terms of you know no wasted steps, smoothness through breaks, everything. It doesn't matter left, right, up, back, forward, towards the quarter. It doesn't matter. He's just it's a beautiful thing to watch. If you want to watch a receiver run routes perfectly, it's Jerry Judy. That's a nice little segue right there. So we can go into C.D. Lamb, who I believe came in right around the same height and weight. I think it was 6'2", 191. And so C.D. Lamb is a guy that, if you guys haven't watched him, he is going to, whatever his, I cannot wait to watch his shuttle times because when you, after the ball is in his hands, when we're so we're going to talk about different players and different quote-unquote yak guys. I think Lamb just takes a cake because he is just ridiculously quick. And you see that in his routes. I do think he is not nowhere near as polished a route runner as Judy. And it's tough because, you know, he faced a lot of off coverage and, you know, the Big 12 doesn't really present great looks for just wide receivers in general. But, man, when what makes Lamb, like why we're talking about or why you see Lamb mocked in the top 10 is just because of what he can do when the ball is in his hands. He is he's very special. What, what do you think the best part of Lamb's game is? It's it's yak. It's yards after the catch. It's yards after the catch per reception, though, too. I mean, this guy was a monster. It didn't matter whether this was a ball targeted 40 yards down the field. He was still going to take that pass, that reception, 10, 11 more yards down the field. He was going to take a screen three yards behind the line of scrimmage, 15, 20 yards down the field, and it didn't matter. I mean, just cue the Texas tape, the Red River rivalry. The Red River <laughs> yeah, rivalry. That, was, that was so stupid. <laughs> he, he took that game over, and it's you can't not watch that game and say, holy cow, this guy is amazing. I do think you're right. I think he puts a little bit too much flair on his route sometimes, a little bit of his own juice, so to speak, you know, where Judy is literally, if you're going to run a slant that is a, you know, two-step plant, get inside, Lamb is going to throw you a little shimmy shake, you know, right before the break. And I think that that's maybe where it it worked in college and and maybe that's where his position coach at the NFL level will probably get rid of that. But I do know he's worked on his footwork all offseason for the past three years with my guy Footwork King. Follow him on Twitter if you want to watch some guys we're talking Footwork King, who who works with Darius Slay, all these guys at the top level, uh, and CD, all his entire career since high school. So a guy who's got beautiful footwork as well, but I do think that that little extra flair because, you know, he's been the top dog. Even when Marquise Brown was on it, his teammate, he was better all around than Brown was, in my opinion. Uh, you know, we saw what Brown did to start the season this year for the Ravens. I think Lamb is actually going to be a better pro and was a better college player than Marquise Brown was. Wow, that's high praise. So last year, I thought that. But after watching this year, I, I feel like so I thought Hollywood was better in his last year than Lamb was better in his last year. But I do think Lamb was better the year before, if that makes sense. OK, I, I so I think I think we're both we're talking about, you know, nitpicking elite level sure, and sure, all sure. around. I think I mean, Lamb's after the catch ability is just beyond stupid. Yeah. Um, okay. What what's going to hold him back? So I think that there is some inconsistencies in his route running. I also it's it's really strange because when he the ball is in Lamb's hands, he like there is a burst, like there's an acceleration. But when he's getting into his routes, like when it comes to like running by guys or just creating separation with just pure speed, I don't think that I I really saw that, and I I struggled to see him being a burner and not that that matters. You don't have to be a burner by any stretch to be good in the NFL, but I just, I think downfield speeder is going to be, you know, he's going to have to be a con- more of a contested catch guy at the next level is what I'd say. What, what is your, what is your one gripe with lamb? 
I think it's, you know, we saw him get, get caught from behind against Baylor in that, that the, the conference championship game, the Big 12 title game this past year. So I do think that speed might be probably one of his issues or his top speed, straight line speed, I think, may not be there in terms of, you know, these corners that are going to run four threes at this point in the NFL. But I think there were times the inconsistent play overall. You know, there were there were moments, I think it was against TCU, where he only had 16 yards. Uh, Oklahoma State, he only had 30. I mean, these are teams with very lackluster cornerbacks on the outside last season that he just kind of went away. And I know injuries sort of plagued him after that Texas game. He kind of, you know, had a little nagging injury that he, you know, he missed a game or two here and there. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's where it is. I think it's just he's got to show up down for down. Uh, you know, game for game, down for down, quarter for quarter. He's got to be there every play. And I think that's, you know, kind of where he laps. He did take over when he did take over and played his heart out. But it seemed like there were other moments in time that, you know, games were out of, out of reach and he just kind of dogged it a little bit. So, okay. And I, I don't really disagree with anything because that makes perfect sense. And that's really well stated. So moving on from CeeDee Lamb, then, um, and now is where it's probably just going to be, you know, if you ask 10 different people, you'd probably get 10 different answers on who their three, four, and five was. So I'll just keep going down the list. That I, so I'm actually looking at uh, PFS Big Board. I think this is uh, Mike Renner's Big Board, who is another good follow, I think. And even if you don't like PFF, and I've been pretty vocal about you know certain things I don't like about PFF, but PFF Mike does a good job of just going through all these guys and giving you his honest take. And he's not, you know, he's not going based off what other people think of. So the third receiver is LaVisca Chenault, who... I am not a big fan of, and I think he has a lot of work to do as a receiver. He just doesn't have very much creativity as a route runner at all. But when you get the ball in his hands, of course, he is going to be very, very good. The problem is I don't think it's going to be as easy to get the ball in his hands as a receiver, like from running routes at the next level. And I I am out on him as far as I don't – I'm not sure that I would even spend a – um, an early day to pick on him. What are, what are your thoughts on Chanel? Okay, let's talk about where where he needs to improve first. Uh, you you hit the nail on the head. It's route running, but it's also health. There are moments in time. I mean, I know he was way overutilized uh, starting back to 2018, and I don't think he ever played a full you know uh, 12 games healthy in his entire career at Colorado. That can't bode well for you because these you know the NFL. What if you if you look at the people that are going to be tackling him this time in the NFL, they're going to average two inches. And 30 pounds heavier at this point. They're going to average being faster. Something might happen. I don't, I don't like the injury history. I have big concerns with his body and his frame for the way he was utilized at Colorado. And so I think the route running was an issue. I think the the health and the durability of him long term. But also, I mean, the guy has 10 career touchdown catches. I know that that's not a big deal in terms of projecting. You know, Mont, Steven Montez was hot and cold. And the way he was hurt, so I, I get it. But, you know, I'd rather see a lot of production in Colorado's offense from him, kind of what we saw in 2018 before injury, where he was, you know, probably leading for the Heisman race at that point, had it not been, you know, had he been able, he'd have been invited to New York, at least we'll say that, had he finished the season healthy in 2018. That's how good he was, but that doesn't necessarily correlate. I think he's a day two, late day two guy for a team that wants to use him as kind of a gadget player where they're going to line him up in the backfield. Because I think, honestly, that's where his strong suits will be, is finding a way to get him the ball in space. And like you said, though, that'll be more difficult at the NFL level. Yeah, he's a tank. And let's be clear here. So when the ball is in his hands, like he is very good. And and you will hear that a lot as we go down different names in this class because there are some special players in this draft class when they have the ball in their hands. But as you mentioned, that, and I, I don't disagree with the touchdown thing. And I think, you know, at this level especially you know in Colorado when you're, you're the dude and 
I, I get that people are game planning for you, but you are still going to be better than a lot of people. And to be fair to him, call, okay, calling Steven Montez hot and cold is very polite. <laughs> Because he is terrible, and we do not have to sugarcoat it on this. He's not a good player. Come on, good Montez him. made you made you turn turn your head <laughs> turned your head when you saw a good Montez throw. But then that Bad. was up with absolutely <laughs> terrible, awful Montez. So there there are some throws that he makes where like junior high court. Like why? What are what are you looking at right now? Um, um, okay, the so, different day discussion. Yes, absolutely. So yeah. Chanel is big guy, 6'2", 220, and like he, he looks that big. Like he He's a tank, very good with the ball in his hands, has a lot of room to improve just as a route runner. I saw I saw him when he goes to you know make a cut to get out of his break. It, it's almost like he's coming to a complete stop, and not to get like too – but when, when a guy is rising up, like when he's standing up to make a cut – which Chanel does, that is a bad sign. And there are a few guys that are like that. So when I see that or when they, they sort of tip their routes off, that is when I sort of, you know, check out. And, and I wrote that down a few times for Chanel. Next guy, going back to the Alabama well, Henry Ruggs, who many believe or many are expecting to compete for the 40 record, which John Ross, um, I believe, is 4-2-2. Ruggs has been clocked at sub 4-3. We don't know what he's going to run. It, it'll probably be around like a high 4-2, low 4-3. If you watch him against South Carolina, you can set this guy is just next level speed. There's there's not – it's really tough to compare. Like him and the TCU guy, which we'll get to later. Though, like these are like world world-class speed guys. What is something other than speed that you like about Ruggs which will allow him to be successful at the next level? I think he's got a future in the NFL uh, running a pretty basic route tree. I think there are – whether that – I mean, maybe he can surprise and run a little bit more. But in that Alabama offense, he didn't show a whole lot more than, you know, a couple of really good in-breaking routes. I think slants are, are kind of his, you know, forte. And, again, I, I thought Debo only had a slant and a couple of other maybe, you know, shorter kind of quick out, speed out sort of zip routes that he – that he ran and Debo kind of surprised me and he's added more. So maybe, you know, Henry Ruggs seems like a decent fit in my opinion, although he is a little bit similar to Debo in that regard. Uh, but I think that his future is these in-breaking routes. He was not afraid to go over the middle and he was not afraid to take a two yard slant down the field, you know, 75 more yards. So this is a guy that if you get him in space, no one's catching him other than maybe his uh, former teammate in Jalen Waddle. That is a fun, if you know, Twitter. It's, a, it's a hard video to find on Twitter, but find the, uh, they, they ran in the off season last year, Ruggs and Waddle, and it is as close as close gets in terms of the photo finish. Yeah. So Waddle is going to be fun and he, we're going to, I imagine we'll talk about him a lot next year. So Ruggs, is, he was, he was one of the guys that I struggled with because in this Alabama offense, it's tough to find, who is actually, you know, it's tough to project guys when, so Alabama, when we're talking about these route trees, if you're calling plays, why would you call anything else? Because they can, you can throw a slant and Smith, Ruggs, Judy, Waddle, like these dudes can take it to the house by just, you know, one, two, three, throw. And it's out of, it's out of their hands. They're getting into a the slant. They're getting into like a short crosser and they just outrun everybody. So I don't blame Alabama for keeping it very basic, but just as far as like evaluating Ruggs, it seems like he's sort of like gliding into his routes. You know, he doesn't, there wasn't a lot of, you know, press coverage. There wasn't a lot of, you know, contested situations, but I do think he did a good job of going, like you mentioned, he wasn't fearful going over the middle. He didn't 
shy away from contact and you know, you know his game breaking speed just speaks for itself but i i don't know i i do i did struggle with rugs i i know he's good i'm just not sure how good he is so so with that said what's one area that will hold rugs back at the next level I think it's the ability to not run that full route tree to not, I mean, I mean the simple, but we don't know. We don't know if that's there because we just haven't seen it. Like you said, why would you not, if you're saving, if you're calling that offense for the crimson tide, why would you not throw seven yard slants and let Tua hit them perfectly in stride on, you know, what is not an NFL throw. It's a very simple, easy throw to make it, Don't ding Tua for it. Don't ding the play caller for it. You know, credit these receivers. I think the one thing that could hold him back, though, is if he, you know, got too comfortable running just a very select few routes, just a very select few moments in time. I mean, he he was not like Judy in the fact that he was not heavily targeted until maybe towards later the season when Mac Jones was quarterback. But I think that's probably the bigger issue is that he doesn't have a whole lot of work doing a whole lot in an offense because he had these three other guys that are wide receiver ones all around him. He did shine. He had moments in time in South Carolina, Southern Miss games that he just kind of took over, sort of like CD did for Oklahoma. I think that that's where it is. I think we just need to see that consistency in terms of not only on the field, but also, you know, game in and practices. You know, he's going to come in. He's, he's not going to be the man like he was at Alabama. And I think he needs to, that'll probably, be, you know, be the thing where he's got to sort of take over whenever he does get his chance, uh, but just showcase that he's, you know, an all around receiver as opposed to just this in breaking guy. Yeah, and, and again, so going back to Debo Samuel, so uh, you're not wrong by any means. Like it, When you watch him, it was slant, 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 slant. And the 49ers did a good job of using him like that where they they kept him in like this quote-unquote box. But he sort of he developed as the season went on, and I imagine a lot of that has to do with who they acquired at the trade deadline. But, yeah, he just he just got better, and that's that's the thing. Like some of these guys are going to get better, some of these guys are going to stay the same. But it's it's so tough for us to know. But Henry Ruggs, he measured in five eleven. He's one eighty eight. He had big hands, like ten um, ten inches in the eighth. Or, so that was that was good, I imagine. If you are if hand size is your thing. But let's move on to a Clemson receiver, T Higgins. Uh, T Higgins is a large man, six foot three. Uh, he's six three five ace. He weighed two, 216 pounds. His wingspan was 81 inches, which is absurd. And you can see that when you watch him, which is nice. Use that sort of length. T. Higgins, your thoughts. Why will he be good at the next level? Body control. If you want to watch a receiver and if you, if you ever hear a draft pundit or any sort of scout use the term body control, Watch T. Higgins. Watch the way that he it's you said it. He's a huge man. He's he plays even bigger than I think he actually stands and measures in. But that's because of the way that he's able to contort his body while also keeping his feet in bounds, keeps his body if he's gonna cut, he's gonna cut and he's not gonna stand up like you mentioned LaVisca does. Higgins, the way that he just plays at his size, he plays like a smaller guy, but he also he acts like he's a bigger presence on the field. It's pretty remarkable to watch him. Why do people think he's slow? Probably because he's a huge man running down the field. It's like when you see an airplane traveling down the tarmac. Only until it's right in front of your face do you realize how fast that thing is going. So you see Higgins running down the field, and it's just a big, laborsome brute of a man running down the field. That's why he's huge. I mean, it's probably why you look and see Chenault as being a little bit slower, too. He's actually probably slower than Higgins at this point. I would be very interested to see the 40s when they're they're lined up next to one another. But I do think Higgins, you know, plays much faster uh, at football speed as opposed to testing speed, too. 
Yeah. So when you watch Higgins, he is running by guys. And you can tell a receiver is fast if the DB has this sort of, oh, shit, I have to catch up. And you see that over and over when you watch Higgins. He'll, he might give them like a little hesitation move. He might not. He might just take off on them. But I, his over-under for the 40 is 4-5-7. And, yeah, I would say just bet the under if you are a gambler. Um, yeah, he's he's going to run faster than that. I was, I was a little. I wasn't sure at first, and then I started watching him, and I started watching and watching and watching. And, yeah, he, he's just a really good player. I like his fluidity. I think for a guy his size, like, he's a very fluid player. The best part about his game to me, so you see these crazy catches. And you, like you mentioned, his body control. He's very good at tracking the ball in the air, which is not easy to do, and not a lot of receivers are good at that. So I think he does a good job of tracking the ball in the air, picking up the flight of the ball, and that allows him to make these spectacular catches. But when the ball is, hit, is in his hands, yeah, he's going to catch a lot of dudes off guard because he will make you miss. And, and for whatever reason, a lot of people don't mention his ability when the ball is in his hands. So I think – Tiggins is like one of the better receivers in the draft when the ball's in his hands. It, it, it's not going to be like a flashy, like, wow, break your ankles and one type thing, but he's just going to get by you. He's going to make you miss. And he's turning plays where it'll be a curl, seven yard curl into like a, a 12, 15 yard gain. And those are the ones that are consistent. And I, I really like Higgins. I'm going to have Higgins, I imagine, in my top three when it's all said and done. What, what's something? What's something? Go ahead. No, he's my third. He's he's behind Lamb and Judy for me. I, I did I did a little study on him, and he had 59 catches this past season. 48 of them were a touchdown or a first down. Woo! So the dude, I mean, you're talking about a guy like you said. He turns a seven yard curl into 13, 14 yards. That's not sexy in the box score, but then you look at it and you and you realize he converted that into a first down. He made that Clemson offense move those first seven games that you know Trevor Lawrence kind of sucked this year. And then when Lawrence got better, that's when he picked it up. As disappointing as Justin Ross was this year for the Tigers, T. Higgins was that much more impressive, I think, the season that he was any year before. I think Higgins uh, is all around one of the better players in the draft. Wow. So say that say that stat again, the first down touchdown stat. 48 first down and touchdowns combined. So 13 touchdowns uh, and 35 first downs on 59 total catches. So only 11 of his receptions this year did not either score or move the chains. I so I reference that when I talk about like one of the 49ers receivers, Kendrick Bourne, because that efficiency, man, like that is what gets you on the field. If you are going to turn in your opportunities into moving the chains or scoring points, you are going to play. So, yeah, that's a hell of a stat, man. There's no way there's no way around it. You've got a guy. There's no way a head coach or receiver coach, an offensive coordinator will not put that guy on the field if you're converting. Correct. So, okay, what is why will T Higgins not make it or like what will be the reason T. Higgins struggles at the next level. I, I don't have much. I do think that maybe it is, you know, he relies too much on his athleticism at this at the college level. So maybe he'll have to, you know, get a little bit better out of breaks, get a little bit better uh, in terms of separating at the catch point, not rely on contested catch because we've seen a lot of guys that were really, really great contested catch guys at the college level and didn't necessarily run, you know, a, a full route to that were able to separate at their breaks or at the catch point. Uh, JGR Segal Whiteside comes to mind where he was an amazing sort of guy at the college level at contested catches and has not that has not panned out. That has not been a skill that we've seen correlate from college to pro. So Higgins needs to I think that's probably the one thing that he could work on is, is separating at the catch point and not relying at the NFL level at, you know, with his contested catch ability. Perfect. OK, so we're going to take a quick break here. 
And when we get back, we're going to talk about some sleepers. All right. And we are back. So let's get into it. Let's talk. So we're talking about some of the big names. We've talked about, you know, some players that I'm sure you all you all know about. And you, you're not you know, you're not unfamiliar with the names. But let's it's a deep draft class. And there you can find plenty of good players later on in the draft, whether that is third, fourth, fifth. There there are going to be some talented players in this draft that aren't taken early on, but put up numbers like Terry McLaurin did last year. So let's let's talk about sleepers. Um, one sleeper that you know you you are you would be comfortable with taking earlier when than most people expect. It's, I have I, I I can't pick between the two. So give me give me two here. Antonio Gandy Golden from Liberty. This guy, if you want to watch the best go ball runner in college football for the past two years, yeah. go watch AGG, Stephen Buckshot Calvert throwing the ball up to Gandy Golden. This guy is ridiculous uh, running down the field, running by players, being bigger than everybody else. But then he's a polarizing figure so far at the Combine, a guy who I think is probably a day one guy, but will slide because he's had some, you know, some miscommunications and he's not running at the Combine. But Tyler Johnson from Minnesota, this guy I mean, he, his one bad drop this season probably weighs in everybody's mind because they probably would have won the game against Wisconsin had he not dropped it. But Tyler Johnson is a guy who does everything that a receiver should. And does so. I have not, I have not watched the Antonio Golden um, from the Senior Bowl. I did watch Tyler Johnson though, and he's not going to wow you with his speed. He just gets open, yep. and I love that about him. So he's very like he has very very good feet for a big guy. Do Do you remember what he weighed? I know I'm sure he was a uh, let me let me see if I can find it real quick. Yeah, I, did, I didn't see it. I don't remember because he, all I remember seeing was you know I, was his talk about how he's not going to be running the forty, and everybody then are saying, "Wow, that's he's slow. slow. He sucks. Hide that's himself. fine. <laughs> go 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 do run at your pro day. Get the tenth of a second bonus that you know you're going to get. I think in college, you know, according to Minnesota, he was like six two two hundred, which it's oh, okay. that's a big that's a big dude on the outside. I think it's pretty remarkable to watch him. You say it. You said it. He's not going to wow you. He left that for Rashad Bateman, who will wow you, and Chris Ottman-Bell, who also will wow you from the slot in Minnesota. But, I mean, this guy was just absolutely ridiculous. And I have a personal connection. I'm, I'm good friend, family friends with Tanner Morgan, the quarterback at Minnesota. And I've talked to Tanner multiple times about Tyler. And literally everything is a glowing recommendation. This is not just in the season when he has to speak nicely of his of his wide receiver or anything like that. This is after Tyler's already left Minnesota. He's gone. He's at the, you know, doesn't get the senior bowl. He's down at the other all-star game he played at. This is Tanner Morgan saying, it, it sounds so cliche and so stupid, but he was the, Tyler Johnson was the guy who was in the weight room before everybody else. He was in the film room after everybody else and before everybody else. This is a guy who Tanner Morgan's words exactly are saying, he goes, this is, he's the steal of the NFL draft. Wow, that is high praise, high, high, high praise. But I like it because when you watch him um, and so the way people talk about some of these other guys, like he is who they're talking about because, as I mentioned, great feet, like very good feet, and that allows him to get open. He's very strong when it goes to, you know, he's not going to get much separation at the next level, I imagine, but he's very strong and he has very good hands. And I actually take that back. I think he will be able to separate just because he knows how to set his routes up and that matters knowing how to run routes at this level matters because it just allows you to either play sooner win one-on-one -on -one coverage and that will get you on the field more so yeah I'm, I'm glad you brought Johnson up because I'm a fan I like him and I'm, I'm probably gonna have him higher than you know some of these 
he's, he's going to be in the top 10. I, I think there's no question about that. And he might even go higher than that. My sleeper is Denzel Mims. Oh. And I don't, I don't know how you feel about him, but I spent pretty much all Wednesday night watching him and just like, well, what am, what are we doing here? Like this dude is amazing. Not wait, wait good. Till, wait till we get to my top five and then you'll, you, you got a friend in me as Woody once said in Toy Story. So <laughs> I love that, by the way. And since we're going to just, I imagine we're going to throw out all these hot takes. Here, here's one for me. Mims is the best receiver in this draft. Okay. I got him. Yes. I got him fourth. I'm going to tease my top five. I've already said CD, Jerry, Judy, Higgins, and Denzel Mims is my fourth. Love I'm, it. So, I'm on the train with you. I think I need to do a little bit more, but I watched enough Baylor games just to watch uh, Charlie Brewer that I saw Denzel Mims just do things that other receivers have not done this year. That is exactly why. So when you, if you want a throw a back shoulder fade, he's going to snag it. If you want to a receiver to beat press and throw a vertical route, got it. If you need him to beat press and run an underneath route, no worries, got it. If you want him to make something happen after the catch, no worries, got it. If you just go down the line of every receiver attribute that that it takes to be successful at the next level. He will do that. He's so freaking good at everything. There are, there are, you know, since we're talking about college players, sure, there's going to be some times where he gets hung up on press or he needs to do, you know, this little, this little thing in order to get open. But just consistently, he's very good at whether it's using his hands throughout the route, which we don't really talk about a lot, too. That way he's keeping the defender off of him. He can run, which helps. And the like the only knock on him that I really have, and this sounds really messed up, is just, you know, catching the ball as far as there there were some double catches with him. But overall, he just made so many spectacular catches when a guy's draped all over him. Or they did throw a lot of back shoulder sideline routes where he, he just really knows how to create space, use the sideline as friends and just as his friend and just kind of shield the DB off. But yeah, man, I, I'm a fan, and I'm I am unless he bombs it at the combine, he's going to be my top guy. But I I, I love Mims, man. There, there's a <laughs> there's no other way around it. Uh, yeah. Do you have any other sleepers, or how, how do you feel about so USC Michael Pittman? How do you feel about him? I I like him. I think that there's a moment in time where he looks like one of the top five guys as well. But there are other moments that just kind of you know you want to see a little bit more. And I wrote I just wrote this for Conquest Chronicles. He can wow people at the combine. I think there is a moment in time that you see it. There's I pulled just one play, but I have so many others. You know, it's it's the touchdown, the 77 yarder or 78 yarder against Utah that essentially you know put the game almost out of reach or you know gave him a two score lead late in the game in the third quarter. He just basically Matt Fink did not play well in that game for USC. So if you go back and watch that tape, it was the game that Slovis was out got knocked out after two throws. Fink comes in and throws at 300-plus yards and three touchdowns. He did not look good. This was a go ball that he just lobs into what is, you know, converging double coverage and cover two with a high, uh, you know, high safety over him. And Pittman outjumps everybody and then outruns both dudes in the Utah, the Utah secondary, which I thought was the best secondary in the Pac-12 this past season. So to see what he was able to do in that moment in time, it was against Jalen Johnson and Terrell Burgess, who are guys you're going to hear a lot of for the draft as well. So to see him do that and sort of take over, I think there are moments that he needs to test very well and he'll firmly plant himself back on this sort of radar because right now he's just another big guy and a big draft class for wide receivers. So I think, you know, a 4-4, four, 4-5 four, four, in that range 
and then, you know, a pretty high vertical jump and somewhere closer to 20 on the bench press, which I think he's all capable of doing those three things. I think Pittman sort of can wow people and, and, you know, win people's hearts over and then slowly get those people looking at the West coast tape, which I think is probably one of the bigger areas that I think they need to work on at the next level. So (laughs) believe it or not, there is football being played on the West coast. It it Um, is late. I'm sorry. When you kick off coming from an East coaster, when you kick off at 1030, some of these college games, that's just, you're asking for me just to watch that Sunday morning, by the way, pack 12 after dark, baby. Okay. So the other sleeper that I have that I really like, then that's going to be in my top 10 and probably top seven is Van Jefferson from Florida. I think he is just a very good route runner. I think he does a good job of, again, winning in in different ways. So he can win at the line of scrimmage. But more, more importantly, he can win at the top of the route. So he, he does a really good job of creating separation with his feet, just using a little nuance, nuance, whether it's head fakes, whether it's using leverage, using, you know, just his feet again. But he's also very good at just catching the ball, too. So I'm a big Van Jefferson guy. Do you have any quick thoughts on him? Uh, I like him. I like what he was able to offer once we sort of saw that offense kind of get going and get rolling. I do think that there were times that he looked the part as well as this highly recruited guy. So I do like him. Uh, I don't know if he's in my top 10 just because there's a couple other sleepers that I have too. So I got to throw him out here. Juwan Jennings, the Tennessee receiver. If you're looking for probably the best guy through contact, it's Juwan Jennings. And if you want the safest hands in the entire draft class, it's Devin Duvernay from Texas as well. So I got to throw those two guys in there. Duvernay. So we haven't talked about Jalen Rieger yet, and we can do that as we get to, you know, yak guys and inside guys. But I think Duvernay is who people are describing when they're talking about, you know, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Jalen Rieger, uh, who else? Um, Chenault is another one. I, I would take Duvernay over all those guys just because – So. It helps when you run like a 4-3, but he's very good at catching the – like he can catch the ball. And in when these guys are going inside and they're going to have to go through contact, DuVernay does not struggle, but even more – so he's 5'10", 200, uh, 5'10 and a half and 200 pounds. But when he goes inside, man, and he, he's, he has a really good frame where – he can run through arm tackles. And then once he does that, it's just off to the races. So I'm a big fan of DuVernay. And I feel like I've said, you know, 12 receivers are going to be in the top 10, but it'll be hard to not have him up there. And I think he's going to just completely outperform where he's drafted as well. I would agree with you. I think the, we said it earlier as well. The slot receiver position is, you know, growing in importance. And he is the guy who just perfectly fits into that mold Similar to, you know, how Ruggs isn't afraid to go over the middle. Duvernay was not afraid to go over the middle. He was not afraid to get the ball any way, shape, or form in that offense when when they were struggling to find a running back. Texas was this year. Duvernay was taking those, you know, the little pop passes just as easy as he was catching balls 20 yards down the field. So I love the way Duvernay plays. Yeah, so like guys like Duvernay, KJ Hill, those guys would be perfect fits in like Cliff Kingsbury's offense and give Kyler like a check down safety blanket. Like those would be very good fits for the Cardinals, I think. And obviously it's not a Cardinals podcast, but we're going to see Kyler a lot. So uh, you got to throw the other KJ there too. KJ Hamler and KJ Hill, I think are both the kind of guys that, that work on the inside. So I I didn't get a chance to watch Hamler and I I probably will at some point today. Talk to me about Hamler real quick. What's, what's his story? he's uh, he's a little small and I, he plays smaller than he actually is too 
I, I, I think he's like the human joystick, though. I think there are moments in time that you're not going to get your hands on him. So he won't even force him to tackle because he'll run around you, too. So there's some speed that I think he's going to have. And I think if he if he puts up a 4-3, I think more people will start to look at him. But I do think he's pretty one-dimensional in terms of, you know, he's only going to catch things out of the slot. He has no chance to sort of, you know, run a full route tree, uh, separate a lot at the, at the line of scrimmage. If he's not running by you, he's also not going to be able to break from you. And, and that limits your value. So the difference between – so like Judy can play in the slot, but he can also play X, Z, F, whatever you want him to do. Whereas, it, yeah, it sounds like just the way you're describing him. If you can't do much else, it, it'll be tough to be able to rely on you over the course of um, just the game. So let's – okay, top deep threats. Let's let's start listing those guys off. Who, give me – throw some names out there. Antonio Gandy-Golden. Just Your watch boy. the dude. I love the guy. AGG, just watch him on deep balls. Watch him. Anything, you know, we classify deep balls as anything 20 or more yards past the line of scrimmage. That's basically sure. where Gandy Golden lived. I mean, this guy was averaging almost 20 yards a catch this year because of that. Targeted so heavily on these go balls. And it didn't matter whether he ran by a slower defensive back or if he was, you know, that much bigger than a defensive back. A contested catch was just as easy for him as tracking the ball, as we mentioned earlier as well, down the field. AGG is a guy that you got to watch. Watch all the tapes. Watch 2018, 2019 tape on Gandy Golden. He's so much fun to watch. Um, do you have any other deep threats that we should keep an eye on? I think CeeDee Lamb's deep ability is probably underrated in this aspect because everybody wants to talk about his, his feet and everything else about him and his routes and everything. I think when he tracks the ball down the field too, uh, you know, he's one of the better ones. But Omar Bayless as well, the Arkansas State receiver. Down the field, deep shots in that Arkansas State offense. It was another one of those, you know, smaller school guys. that's not going to get a lot of publicity. Omar Bayless is so much fun uh, in terms of that as well. He did lead the nation in yards as well, or for the most part, until Jamar Chase took that over. But the guy was what made that Arkansas State Red Wolf offense run, and it was mainly on deep shots as well. That is a name that I have never heard of. Omar Bayless. Um, Go check him out. Speaking of names, and this one is very, very prominent. He's going to be drafted in the top three, I imagine. Did you see what Isaiah Simmons weighed at today? No, I did not. So he came in at 6'3 and 5 eighths. He weighs 238 pounds. And he's running as fast as Travis Etienne did since that video is now being <laughs> circulated. This <laughs> He's going to run in the four threes probably, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. if that's what – that race that showed him against Travis Etienne, the Clemson running back, I mean, it's a nose. Etienne was a sprinter in high school, and so he knew how to, you know, put his body over the over the line to get the win, so to speak. But right. I think Simmons is going to do some crazy testing. I think he should have won the Paul Horning Award this past year as most versatile player. That's typically an offensive-dominated player because, you know, Lynn Bowden ran the ball and threw the ball not very well, but he, you know, gets the benefit of the doubt for being – playing, quote, multiple positions – Simmons was an edge rusher just as much as he was a stand-up linebacker, just as much as he was a free-roaming safety as a slot corner, as an outside. I mean, this guy played every position on defense. He was positionless. So that is the epitome, in my uh, my opinion, the epitome of most versatile player. That's a tangent. Different podcast, different episode. We can talk later. Absolutely. But just 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 saying that out loud and knowing what he's going to do, knowing that he's probably going to jump like over 40 inches to at like 238 pounds, just – a unicorn, man. Okay, back to receivers. So we have a couple deep threats. Uh, top, we, we've talked about um, some Yak guys. So we haven't really talked about Jalen Rieger, but we've kind of hinted at his name. So he is what we're talking about when you want to 
if you are going to tweet out a clip and want somebody just you know to show people, hey, this dude will make you look really freaking stupid. Rieger is the guy because whenever he got the ball, I feel like he just he broke somebody's ankles. He is something else when the ball's in his hands. I mean, this this class is just loaded with with guys that can create after the catch. So if that's your thing, like, and, and that's Shanahan's thing. That is, uh, and we're seeing more, more offenses trend that way, where they just step, throw, and let let their playmakers do the work, which is really how it should be. So Rieger is 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 one of the top guys. Lamb obviously is a top guy, but both of those two have probably been the most impressive, just as far as when the ball is in their hands. Do you have any names that you know we, we maybe are missing? I think Juwan Jennings is is the guy to know for after the catch ability. I think it's a highly correlatable skill, uh, what he was able to do at Tennessee. I think the the stat that Mike Renner that Renner has is that he broke 30 tackles but didn't even have 60 catches. So every you know more than half of his catches he made somebody miss on that play after the ball. We're talking about in the SEC as well. So he's dominating SEC play, SEC corners, guys that we're going to hear first round second round type of guys, corners and safeties that he was just making look silly. There are moments in time he runs like a man possessed when he has the ball. So I think Juwan Jennings is probably the, the quintessential in terms of making guys miss by running through you. So I think that's that's definitely a guy to know as well for after the catch. That's a good name. And yeah, I know you've been you've been on his train and you, you talked about that a little bit uh, when we were in California. So yeah, got keep an eye on him if you haven't had a chance to watch him. I've only I've only really watched what he was able to do in in one on ones at the Senior Bowl, so don't have a great grasp on Jennings. So we've talked about sleepers, inside guys, deep threats, top you know guys after the catch. Who are let's let's talk some overrated guys. Who are some guys that you know are getting this hype but don't really deserve it? I'd say Jalen Rieger. Unfortunately, I, I it's yeah. hard it's hard to say that because the the common knock is that he didn't have a good quarterback. Well, that's fine. Not every college wide receiver has <laughs> a good quarterback. You if, really, if he wasn't Trevor Lawrence, he wasn't good. I'm sorry, like that that's a it's a stupid thing to say. Isaiah Hodgins looked amazing, and he had Jake Luton as his quarterback. Uh, CD Lamb didn't. You know, sure, he had. Kyler, for we can go there. Yeah, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is not a good downfield passing quarterback, and Lamb made him look great. We're talking the the Air Force receivers. I love both of them, Gerard Sanders and Benjamin Waters. They didn't have a they, they have a running back as a quarterback. I, it's it's a silly knock on a player or or a not un knock on a player to say, well, you had a really bad quarterback. If you're an all star player, if you're a first round pick, if you're a top five receiver, you should make your shitty quarterback look that much better. And he just did not oh, do that. That is my thing on him. I needed to see more from him at the college level, and he just did not show it to me. Look at you coming out swinging. So I just tweeted yesterday that – or yesterday. I tweeted on Tuesday that um, Rieger is not a top 50 player. Like, I, I just don't – I didn't see why you would take him. And then and people started – you know, so first of all, I have no problem when you ask a question because it's, it's fair. Want, you should want to know why, but they, they're tweeting me to like other writers' threads who are, are just showing freaking highlights. Uh, I can watch any highlight and tell you, oh, he's good at this, he's good at that. But if you watch like his like every route, and one of the one of the biggest the biggest things that you need to do is when you are watching these guys, don't just watch when they're targeted. Watch the other routes, and you will see, you know, just Rieger really tips his routes. He also just 
when I guess what I'd say is when, he has a lot of work to do when he's not running a nine route, when he's not running down the field, which he's very good at, at whether it's getting off the line and just stacking the DB or and getting on top of him. But there are other routes where he's leaning into his routes and kind of just tipping off where he's going. And that's not going to work at the next level, man. But he's a dog when the ball's in his hands. But yeah, I, I just don't see it with with Rieger as as far as where he's being projected. And that's I think that's what's key here. Another guy that I just I just don't know why you would take him that high is Justin Jefferson from LSU, who I think really benefited from the offense he played in. And we talk about like the Big Twelve, but LSU with what they did, Jefferson didn't have to face much press. It was like he was able to to run freely and do kind of whatever he wanted to. I, I get why you would be interested in him. But I can get what he can do anywhere, like anytime. So why would I take that high? What do you think about Justin Jefferson? I'm just I'm I'm concerned about Jefferson's sort of uh, slight frame is probably the best way to put it. I just I don't know if that holds up for the game, the level of play that he likes to play. Tall guy, but not a lot of beef, not a lot of muscle on him. Yeah, sure. He had all, he's got you know the ability to separate not only on his routes but at the catch point, and that's fine. But like you said, you can get that pretty much anywhere else. And I'd rather get a guy who you know had proven that he could do it previously and it, before the Joe Burrow emergence, you know, things like that, and before the Jamar Chase emergence where he was clearly taking on you know the number two, even the number three sometimes in the slot because that's kind of where you know this transition sort of helped him to the slot. I think. You know, he's, he's, he's pigeonholed himself to being this great slot guy this past season. And if he can show, you know, showcase that ability outside, I just don't think that he has that necessarily. And like, and like you said, you can get it elsewhere. and You don't need to take him that high, in my opinion. Okay, so let's let's wrap it up here with our top five. So let's let's work. Uh, let's work backwards. So and I don't I don't know that I have a, a concrete top five and. This is going to change. I promise you this is going to change after these guys run and test and just give me a better idea of their athletic ability. So your number five receiver, who is that? Juwan Jennings. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. So, there it is. I've teased my top four, I think, at that point. But Juwan Jennings is, is number five for me. Okay. Um, four? Denzel Mims. Yes. Welcome aboard. Um, three? T. Higgins. And two and one are just Lamb and uh, Judy, Jerry, I imagine. Jerry, Judy, two, CD Lamb, one. So I I am struggling here to, to find, you know, the my my order just because I haven't really put it together yet. But I'm just going to go off the cup here. Just so number five, I'm going to say and and I can already imagine people just getting mad as I'm saying this. I don't. OK, I don't care. I don't I'm not, you know, quote unquote, scouting the back of the jersey. I don't care who has these. You can the people that you guys are referencing, go look at who they had the years past and tell me, should we really be referencing these guys? Okay, enough of that. Um, I'm going to go Van Jefferson at five because I really, really, really like him as a receiver. Just as the word I always use is receivering. He is very good at receivering. So I'm gonna go Van Jefferson at number five. At number four is going to be CeeDee Lamb. Um, and that goes without saying, just because he's very good at, you know, pretty much everything. But there are some route issues that I have, you know, a little bit of struggle with where I can see, you know, him, <clears throat> excuse me, I can see him having issues at the next level. 
Three is going to be T. Higgins, or I mean, it's going to be toss up. You can just draw a name out of hat from here. I'll go T. Higgins at three. He's a dog. He's really good. He's going to be good at the next level. I'll go Judy next. Um, Ocho Cinco reincars uh, just part two, and then number one, baby, <laughs> Denzel Mims, who man, I just hope he blows it up at the combine, just so I can. Oh, my take can be validated. <laughs> Either that, because, it's, it's it's they're fluid top fives at this point. It's a take, but it's a, let's let's call it a fluid top five. You never know. <laughs> I'm with so, you. Yeah, I I think I think Mims is just really good, man. I think he and I, I I just tweeted about him, and it's not like it just seems so prisoner of the moment. But I get Allen Robinson vibes when I watch him. And if you guys have seen Allen Robinson play football, ignore the quarterbacks he's played and just watch him play football. He is incredible, and I get those type of vibes from Mims. And we haven't really talked about it, and it doesn't really matter. But his effort as a blocker is unreal. And I think that, like, people, that just makes you want to call plays for him. It makes you want to leave him on the field. It makes you want to play with him, play for him. So uh, just little things like that about Mims is what I really like. So I compared him to Allen Robinson, Judy, Ocho Cinco. Um, Higgins, I don't I don't really have a comp for him. Do you have a, a, a comp I, for him? I don't. I think it's I think he's such a unique sort of player uh, in his size and how he plays. I think, it's a, I think T. Higgins is the new comp for this sort of new bred player like him. I like that. How about uh, do you have one for Lamb? <sighs> Honestly, it's Marquise Brown. I it's it's oh, such wow. a weird <laughs> thing to say. I mean, it's I think he's a little bit better than Marquise Brown, but I think the way that you know they both possess that top end speed and they both possess that ability to they can make a break on a route two steps down the field or twenty steps down the field, and I think that that's really where you know what separates them from the other guys that have come out of a Big Twelve offense like that. And I, I like that. I like that when you compare a guy, it doesn't have to be. A guy that another guy that's you know the same size as him. We are talking about play styles here, so that is why me and Cam get along because we can compare a guy who is half the size, and that's obviously not true, but <laughs> we're trying of, of players because they just play similar. So that's that's probably a good place to stop, man. Uh, we 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 covered just about I feel like every was there anybody that we missed that you can think of? We talked wow. about um, man, I can't. Ooh, I can you, think of I got one more and it's it's a personal Chase connection. Claypool? It's Claypool, if he goes tight end route, all for it. Put on a little twenty more pounds at that point. Go tight end. I'm all for that too. I think that'd be cool. So here's a fun fact about Notre Dame's Chase Claypool. He is a hooper and he dropped I feel like he I think I read something that he averaged like forty five points a game in the NBA or in the NBA in high school. And I think one game, I, I was watching a highlight of him. He just dropped 50 on these guys. He's just going crazy. Uh, we did not talk about Donovan Peoples-Jones from Michigan, uh, who is is going to test very well. No, I, and I know yeah. um, he's not. He's he he looks kind of sluggish. He almost he almost plays like um, uh, who was it last year where Miles Boykin? It doesn't really seem yeah. like he's he's running that he's running that fast, but he's going to test very well. I don't know how good of a receiver he is. If you're gonna study, if you're gonna study a hyphenated last name guy, go Antonio Gandy Golden before you go people. <laughs> Love that. Okay, before we get out of here, what is your boy gonna like? How is he gonna test? Oh, Gandy Golden, I, I'm very interested because it's just he comes from Liberty. He hails from Liberty. The only thing I have to watch is pretty crappy all 22 at some points, so you don't really get a full glimpse of him. And maybe that's what I've that's what other scouts have seen that have actually done the full study. I hope it's fast. I hope it's big. I hope it's strong. I think that's his game. I think the, the aspect of his game is strong. The hand-fighting ability that he has down the field, 
you know, he, in my opinion, I think he blows up at the bench and he's got this crazy vertical leap. I don't know if his 40 will, will turn heads though. All right. That's, that's it, man. We, we pretty much covered if there was a receiver in the draft that we missed, please let, not me, let Cam know. On Twitter. <laughs> Gabe Davis, so, Gabriel Davis, UCF. You talk. Oh, there we Andy, go. Andy Golden is the best go ball runner. Gabe Davis is the second best go ball guy, nine route in the, in this draft class, I think. Perfect. All right, man, that'll do it for us. You can follow me at KP underscore show. I will probably be tweeting out some links any t- uh, very soon here about the best receiver in the draft. And we are going to hopefully, you know, the 49ers draft one of these guys. It would be great if they had men's. It would be great if they took Higgins. It would be great if they took, you know, any of these guys that can create because this is a very deep class. And it, I guess if you're a team and you need a receiver, it would be very tough to mess up in this draft but i'm sure teams are going to find a way because they always do cam once more where can we find your work at on the twitters on the twitter sphere it is at cam meller m-e-l-l-o-r so c-a-m-m-e-l-l-o-r easy enough cool man all right that'll do it for us thanks for tuning in guys and go niners